Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Avraham Megadish, Le'ilui Nishmat Avraham Menhuta, sponsored by his sister Tamara Megadish, as well as sponsored by the Nathan, by Nathan uh, in loving memory of Nathan Marcus, Le'ilui Nishmat Atan Berachel, by the entire Marcus family. Rabutai, today is Yom Yerushalayim, and it's also the day that we begin the Sefer, the, par- the parasha of, uh, of Bamidbar. I have with me here um, a tremendous Tamid Chacham, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Finches, who speaks on all sorts of issues, on medical, uh, medical issues in Halakha, on, uh, on uh, the scientific advancements and how those play into the words of the Torah, which are timeless. And uh, it's been a privilege and a pleasure of mine to get to know him personally, to be able to have him on the other end of a phone or WhatsApp to talk to him about uh, very crucial issues uh, with a very, very small time frame. And he gets back immediately to me and he's been tremendous, a tremendous help uh, for me in as- answering uh, pertinent questions on the spot. So we have him here today and he's going to say when I, uh, uh, after I'm finished saying a couple words, he's going to fin- uh, gonna, uh, give us as well some words of Torah. So Rabotai, the Parashav Bamidbar, it always coincides, our Chachamim tell us, with the uh, holiday of Shavuot. And the reason why is because the Torah is to communicate to you that the Torah was given Bamidbar in the desert. The reason why that's an important uh, item to be able to know is first of all, I know, sometimes I think that we accept things the way that they are, but we don't wonder how they could have been. Let me explain what I mean by that. We see the Torah was given in the Midbar. Okay, Torah was given in the Midbar. The Torah was given in the desert. Fine. Wouldn't it have made more sense to take the Jews to Israel, give the Torah on, not on Har Sinai, but on Har Moriah, in the Beit HaMikdash, on the Temple Mount? Wouldn't that have been a more, you know, simple, straightforward, elegant solution? Isn't that, yeah? The funny thing is, now that we see the way things panned out, Am Yisrael with the Egel in the desert, it makes the question even stronger. Why did God not give the Torah in Eretz Israel? Had Moshe Rabbeinu, had they already been settled in their land, maybe they would not have then said, Yisrael, thought about going back to Egypt. Why didn't God just take them into Israel and give it to them there? Al Chachamim explained to us then, so when the idea is, why was the Torah given in the desert? When we look at that question now, we don't look at it as it was, but as it could have been. That means that God chose to have it give, be given there rather than any other place on earth. He chose to have it on Har Sinai more than even on Har Abayit. Why? And I think there's something magnificent. We are taught in two, different lang- in two different languages the concept of humility. First of all, the idea that in a, mid- in a Midbar, everything the, the Midrash and the Gemara says is Hefker. Everything belongs to nobody. So too the Torah, it doesn't, there's no uh, ownership over it. If, you're, if your last name is Kanievsky, you don't own the Torah more than a guy whose name is Fari, even though your father is the greatest rabbi that we have today, maybe, and his father was the, one of the great leaders of the Jewish people. If you're, if you're a son of, of Rabbi Kassin in our community, who was the chief rabbi who gave birth to rabbis and his grandchildren are rabbis, you don't have any more of a kesha, of a connection to Torah than someone whose name is Marcus or someone... Uh, or someone whose name is, uh, is a towel or someone, whatever it might be. It's not given to anybody. It's, it's a place of hefker. It's, nobody owns anything more than anybody else in that place. And in such a place, in a place of humility, that's where we give the Torah. So I once heard in the name of the Shevile Pirhas, he asks, if that's the case, and you're looking for a place which is so humble, because that's the only place where a person could learn Torah, so then why give it on a mountain at all? 
the Midrash explains that the mountains are fighting. Har Gavnuni, each one is saying, the, the Torah should be given on me. One is the tallest mountain, one is the widest mountain, one is the greenest mountain. Even when each one says, I'm the tallest, I'm the widest, I'm the greenest. And, and yet God does not give the Torah on them. Who does he give the Torah on? On Har Sinai. Because Har Sinai says, why should the Torah be given on me? I'm not the tallest, I'm not the widest, I'm not the greenest, I'm, I'm nothing. The Torah says, on that I want to give the Torah. It's a beautiful uh, idea. It's a nice song that, Mordechai, that uh, Uncle Moshe sings. But at the same time, if you wanted to illustrate humility, don't give it on a mountain at all. The, the floor is lower than the smallest mountain. So if you were looking for the smallest, why did he choose Har Sinai? And the answer that I heard in Shvilei Pinchas is magnificent. He says, it is true that the Torah seeks humility. And that is very important. But at the same time, in order for a person to acquire Torah, your person can't be and they can't feel like a zift, like a nobody, like a nothing. It has to be that a person is taking steps to try and rise, to try and move up. If you're not trying to climb, if you're not trying to ascend at least a little bit to the heavens, then there's no chance that the Torah is going to land in you even if you're an anav. Why is humility such an important trait? I think, Rabotai, the answer is, and it's a very simple thing. You know, when a person thinks that they're humble, when a person thinks, excuse me, that they're perfect, they don't think that there's anything that they need to change. Meanwhile, the Torah, its essence, is all about change. And no matter where a person is holding on the ladder of growth, on the ladder of self-development, the Torah says there's always more wrongs. Yaakov Avinu, when he has a dream in Eretz Israel, and God is telling him that he's going to give him everything, and he's leaving Eretz Israel, he's going to Padan Aram, he's going to Lavan to get married, but effectively he's going to build this family that's going to become the Jewish people. God gives him a dream, and in the dream there's a ladder, and the ladder, <clears throat> it's, it's one head was you know, in the earth, one head was planted in the ground, and the other one is Roshom Magia Shamaima. To illustrate to us, that there's two ends of the ladder. Everyone focuses on the top of the ladder because that's where the destination is. But if you're not careful where you plant the other head of the ladder, if it's not solid in the ground, or leaning against the, what's it called, against the wall properly, then however tall the ladder is, it's a useless thing because you can't, you can't rely on it to get you somewhere. So the first thing a person needs in order to have a ladder that takes him to Shamaim is that one is Mutsav Arza, that it, it's firmly planted and implanted in the ground. They understand that they're a man of the people. They're not better than anybody else. They're in a place where kulo hefker, everything is simple. But if a person can plant their ladder there, then the other head of the ladder, Magia Shamaima, reaches the very heavens. No matter how many rungs you go, it keeps disappearing into the clouds, higher and higher, living a person uh, more and more benefits and more and more berachot and more and more mitzvot. So therefore the Torah had to be given, even though there were nicer places, even though there were places that were beautiful, but the Beit HaMikdash is a place of glory. It's a place of hod, of splendor. It's misos kol ha'aretz. It's a place that everybody looked at and thought, wow, this is the best thing ever. That's good for the Beit HaMikdash, for the house that you built for God. That's magnificent. But to build the Beit to, to give the Torah from that place would intimate, number one, that the only people who are capable of learning Torah are the people. Michila, we're just going to give the security services a chance to fly overhead uh, and, and pass us by. 
Bezat Hashem, they'll be carrying on in a certain direction. And hopefully all of today will be, will be safe, please God. Rabotai, I'm going to add one last point and then I'm going to hand over uh, to uh, my dear friend, the rabbi. Listen to this. If we would have given the Torah on Har Moriah, then it would have been given only to people who were people of a great level. Oh wow, the Kohanim can go there, the Sadiqim can go there, but me, I'm a regular guy, I sell shirts to Walmart, you know, who am I? I? Maybe I make a nice living, but the Torah is not my domain, it's not my inheritance. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says no, I'm going to give it in a place, we don't even, no, no, it's in the middle of the desert, I want to add one more thing, we don't even know if we today were to go, we can't point at a place and say, this was Har Sinai. You'd think that one of the most important places in Jewish history, we would know where it is. We have no idea. How could that be? How could we not know where the mountain is? And the answer is, like the Pasuk, like Gemara tells us, Be careful from the sons of the poor people, because from them will come out Torah. Poor people doesn't just mean someone who doesn't have a lot of money. It means someone who doesn't have the opportunity to study. Their father was poor in Torah knowledge. Or maybe he was poor so he couldn't send the kid to a milameh to someone and pay them to help him study. Or maybe he was too poor to send him to get a yeshiva education for $40,000 a year. He's a haru. Be careful. Because you never know. Torah can come from anywhere. We don't know where the Torah was given. What a powerful lesson that is. Today, of all days as well, it's, it's imperative to retain that humility. Because today, when we celebrate the fact that the soldiers were able to conquer with with God's help, they were able to conquer Yerushalayim. What an unbelievable moment that was. After 2,000 years of prayer for them to go, you watch the videos every Yom Yerushalayim. I watch the video again. You hear them and they're singing and they're praying and they're crying and they're saying the words, unbelievable. It's at the Kotel. It's the most beautiful thing. Everyone should take a few minutes today to reconnect with that miraculous day. Humility is imperative on this day. Because as we know, when Am Yisrael achieves great military victories, there's always a chance, like the Pasuk says, that we might begin to say, the might, the strength of my hand, did for me this great deed. The first method, the first idea of Torah is to recognize our place and to understand how we are nothing but for the grace of God. We are so thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the gifts that He gives, gives us. And we recognize and we are proud and happy to be the generation that has witnessed being able to see it. And we pray and we plead with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us just as He has helped us do this one. Just as we've witnessed and seen this beautiful occasion that we merit to see the further development of Yerushalayim with the coming of Mashiach. Rabbi Finches is now going to give us a few words. Rabbi, please. Uh, share with us your wisdom. Thank you so much, Rabbi Fahi. It's really beautiful to be here. It's inspirational to hear your words. I just want to echo what the rabbi said. In the parasha Bechukotai, it says something really incredible. It says, That the enemies are going to fall to the sword. Rashi says something really incredible, and I wasn't going to say this, but I just thought of this as you were speaking. What is, how does Rashi explain that? He said that the enemy, they fell on their own sword. That means they, in essence, they killed themselves. Why does Rashi explain that? The, the understanding of the pasuk, the understanding of the verse, is that the Jewish people killed them. 
The man, I have the most incredible idea, and this is going to echo what you just said. In the Torah, very often it says, V'naflu lefi chavev, and sometimes it says, V'naflu lechavev. Sometimes it says, V'naflu lefi chavev. What does that literally mean? That means that they fell lefi. What is lefi? The mouth. And sometimes it says, V'naflu lechavev. There's a beautiful book, it's called Nefesh Hager. He made the most incredible insight. He said, every time Am Yisrael of fighting, it says, V'naflu lefi chavev. It uses the word fi. Every time a non-Jewish people, and you can check this out, every time a non-Jewish people are fighting, it says, V'naflu lechavev. What's the difference between Jewish people, they pray, and this is what the Rabbi just said, when the Jewish people fight, they always have to pray before. So that's what the Torah is teaching us. V'naflu lefi chavev. Lefi, first of all, we pray. In this week's parasha, which we read last, yesterday, sorry. What does it say? V'naflu oivechem lechavev. But according to this rule, it should say V'naflu oivechem lefi chavev. Why doesn't it say lefi chavev? Because it's for Jewish people. It says lechavev. Says Rashi. That's why they fell on their own sword. They fell and they fell. That's the, just want to echo. So that is from your time. Now I'm going to say what I wanted to say. But that's an incredible idea which we see hidden. We have to look and analyze like with a microscope in order to see these beautiful ideas. Today is a really holy day. Yom Yerushalayim. And if we go to the end of the parasha, something really, I, I think this is really mesmerizing. In the end of the parasha, the last two mitzvot, really fascinating mitzvot. One mitzvah is called Ma'aseh Sheni, and one mitzvah is called Ma'aseh Behema. What are they? In the olden days, they didn't have people in real estate and diamonds and all different types of jobs, occupations which they had. If somebody made money, they used to make money by having crab, they used to have tomatoes, they used to have avocados, they used to have, you know, different fruit and vegetables which they used to sell. Oh! Alternatively, they used to have lots of animals which they used to sell and barter. The Torah teaches us something really incredible. But not only a tenth of your produce you have to give to Maaseh, also the tenth of your animals you have to give. But this is a unique Maaseh. We normally associate Maaseh by giving to the poor, giving to Tamidei Chachamim, giving to the Kohanim, giving to the Leviim. But here, we're giving Maaseh and what are we doing? Who are we giving it to? We're not giving it to anyone. You have to use it for yourself. Not only that, the mitzvah, what does it mean you use it for yourself? You give yourself ma'aseh, that's like a real strange idea. Now not only that, part of a mitzvah is that you have to take all that produce, or if you had a thousand I don't know, cows born that year, you have to take a hundred to Jerusalem. You have to eat it in Jerusalem. Why? And even if you couldn't carry all that produce, or if you couldn't take all the cattle with you, what do you have to do? You have to exchange it for money, and that money you have to spend in Jerusalem. Says the Chinuch, something really incredible. And you don't give it to the Kohanim. You don't give it to the Levim, you don't give it to the poor. Say the Chinuch, and this is the most incredible idea. He says that everybody has to have a connection with Jerusalem. Everybody has to feel that they have a love and a connection with Jerusalem. The Torah makes you take your own money and you have to go 
four times within Mishmida, seven years to Jerusalem, when my father heard this, he was mesmerized. He said, now, every single year, we are going to go vacation to Israel. We went to other places. But every single year, he said, the Torah is teaching us that we have to go, go vacation in Israel, go vacation in, in Jerusalem, and that's what we did. Every single year, and one of the first places we went was to the Kotel. Every single year. Incredible. And why? The Sefer Chinuch says that Jerusalem is called Oroshel Olam. When we pray, any synagogue around the world, which way do we face? We face Jerusalem. Like the rabbi said in, in Meshul, the whole tefillah is about Jerusalem. And we long for that Yerushalayim. And even though we don't have a full creation of Yerushalayim, but we're still, we say thank you to Hashem for everything we, which we have. And to go to the Kotel, I remember on my bar mitzvah, me and my brothers, we had two bar mitzvah. We had one in London when I was born, in the community. But every son, my father made sure it used to be a few weeks later, we used to go to the Kotel to have a mitzvah. And I will never, ever forget that day. Every time, every time I go to the Kotel, I just think that my father took me and had my mitzvah, the most beautiful idea. And that's what we have to realize. This is what we're talking about. This is so important. And that's why I'm so happy I came here today on Yom Yerushalayim. I'm so happy with all the activities which you're doing. People have to feel connected. People have to go and visit Yerushalayim every single year. No questions asked. There might be nicer places, more luxurious places, but you have to go. You have to feel that connection with you and your family. Thank you very much. <laughs>